hello there, JT, sir. Oh, hey, buddy. Hey. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. And we're back. We've done, a, this is our 11th episode. It feels like an eternity. It feels like it was just yesterday. It's also the fifth part of our five-part uh, pentatha. what would that be? I have no idea. Pentatrilogy? Pentology? Pentology? Pentology. Pentology sounds like a religion. Pentology mm. sounds like the third or eighth series of a weird book. All right, well, it's, it's you know, it's a best of five. Right, hey, it's the fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeremy, how are you now? How was your list this week? In a word, terrible. So, it was really, really hard. How about you? Um, I thought this one was going to be the layup. Like for some reason I had built into my head, this will be an easy week. And as it turns out, hated every second of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll share my, why I hated it too. And then let's compare notes as to what, what might've gone awry. So we established a rule that we wouldn't be using either star Wars movies or Marvel movies. And as it turns out, and I started counting, uh, when I went looking through the top uh, box office performers of the 2010s, what do we call these? The tens, the teens, the teens? Teens, I think. The teens, okay. Uh, as I started looking through the, the best performers, no joke, I had reached 13 Star Wars and or MCU, well, I guess there's no and, Star Wars or MCU movies before I was able to find a title that uh, was outside of their world and compelling to me. So yeah. that was my my tricky thing is 13 movies till I got some more interesting. Now, to be fair, to be fair, I did hit uh, there. There was a very high performer earlier in, but the movie itself, I hate so much. I couldn't obviously put it in my list. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. I'll tell you something else I noticed. If you want to do summer blockbusters of the teens and you do not want to do Star Wars or Marvel movies. Uh, you're basically doing an animated franchise. So yeah, that's that's sort of what I realized. So I had a similar experience in the sense that the stuff that I felt like would be a blockbuster in the sense that it was a summer blockbuster were not in summer at all. Like there was a couple where I was like, oh, that'll be a good one, not summer movie. Yeah, yeah. And then the stuff that was in summer, I was like, oh, most of these are bad movies. Right. Even if they fit the description of this is the kind of stuff that would exist in a blockbuster for summer, I physically couldn't get myself to put it on the list because they're so bad. Fully agreed. Maybe this spoils your list. I don't, I'm hoping it doesn't. But my first encounter of a very high-performing, definitive summer blockbuster that I just personally find a terrible movie is Jurassic World. Yeah, I see. <laughs> so not on my list. <laughs> Because, like, it's just not a good movie. Right. It comes in the 30th, by the way, at $719 million. And it it's, by the way, for, for fans of the movie, obviously the CGI and all the effects are amazing. It's fun to see the dinosaurs again. It This is, like, one of my ultimate wasted potential. Ooh, top five wasted potential movies. There we go. This, is, this might actually be top of the list because it had budget. It had cast. I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio, for, for freak's sake, like, great cast and just couldn't put together just a coherent, simple, good story. And having just rewatched Jurassic Park, it actually made me angrier how much I dislike Jurassic <laughs> World. <laughs> I think that's totally fair. Yeah, as, as this podcast knows, I love Chris Pratt. I love baby Chris Pratt. I like less fat Chris Pratt. I just like Chris Pratt. And that movie breaks my heart because it could have been so good with such little more work done. It would not have taken much to make that pretty good. Not great. Agreed. Not great, but pretty good. Pretty good. Minimal changes, and that movie is now rewatchable. Right. Instead, it's just a bummer. I'm just like, oh, what a lot of time and effort and energy and capital that went into this thing that's totally mediocre at best. Uh, 100%. It, so mediocre, it like, took away from the fun. It really did. We should have a talk about that another time. But uh, yeah, going through this list, amazing amount of animated movies, by the way. Yeah. Just blew my mind. And so what I want to do, and, and, and I was hinting at this to you before we chatted, is I regret not having more time. I was going to come in with a strong list of like, here, here's what you're up against. By the way, in addition to that list, you also have an amazing amount of trilogy or trilogies or series 
Or you got the Hobbit franchise, the Twilight franchise, the Hunger Games franchise. Um, again, Star Wars MCU. Like the, the there's a lot of franchises. Uh, there was one I almost got to include, but the timing didn't work for it. Um, I don't remember when it was released, but one of the I wanted to do the Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah, reboot because I actually really liked. I, I think it was Rise, but I, as I recall, the uh, the, t- the timing was something about it didn't make it to the list. So. Oh, that's interesting. I actually totally forgot about this. Yeah, a lot of franchises. And I agree with you, by the way. I could make a top five list of movies that would probably beat most of my top five from non-summer blockbusters. Yeah. 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 Well, so speaking of which, why don't we get right into that? Let's let's get into the non-summer movie pong, right? Which is the, what's the stuff that w- we wish could have been on the list, maybe, with the understanding we should do Shawshank first, which you already sort of mentioned, though. So Shawshank was... Uh, we're still sticking with MCU. We're still sticking with uh, no Star Wars. Do you have anything else? Uh, I don't have anything else. Again, the definitive ruling here is like this thing has to be so much the definition of the category. It can't just be something that met, met both our lists. And because that's the definition, I don't think there is a definitive teens era summer blockbuster. I think we might have similar lists, to be honest, but I don't think that is enough to Shawshank out a title. Yeah, I agree. There's there's one that I think we'll both have, and I think for good reasons. I think we'll have it for different reasons, potentially, which is fun. Um, but I don't think there's any one def- de- defining thing. So I think we could just get into the, the non-summer movie pond. I love that. Let's do it. You want to kick us off? Sure. So I'm going to go in order of date again, just because that's how my lists get organized, but it's not relevant to anything. So the very first one is not really a blockbuster, but it kind of made me laugh, and I thought that it would be funny to bring up. Did you see Cop Out? I don't think so. So the only reason this movie is really funny to me is if you're a Kevin Smith fan, Kevin Smith writes uh, and has been on stage a lot talking about how him and Bruce Willis hated each other in this film, which makes it really funny. But because it's Bruce Willis, because it's actiony, it has lots of fiery stuff. I'm like, oh, that's probably like a summer thing, not a summer thing. So wait, Bruce Willis and Kevin Smith did a movie together? Yeah. And I don't know about it. Kevin Smith directed this movie and they did not get along other than when he was the warlock and Diary. Huh. All right, I'll have to take a take a take a peek at that one. All right, so playing uh, playing the game, what 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 was I thought was going to be on the list, and it, uh, to be honest, I immediately remembered it was not a summer movie. Deadpool, February 9th, twenty sixteen. Was I say I remember it being a Valentine's Day thing? Otherwise, it was it's the best. Um, I thought, speaking of animated stuff, I really thought How to Train Your Dragon would have been a summer thing, and it wasn't. It was March, so that one surprised me. Hmm. January thirtieth for Kingsman. Kingsman's so Kingsman I would have would have had I love Kingsman yeah of course uh, so the losers uh, yeah uh, I I got Twenty One Jump Street which was going to be on my list because I love that movie have that great use of a of a franchise yep have that would have definitely would have been on my list the town mm, uh huh isn't doesn't scream blockbuster to me but it's good so I thought the town good pick uh, I put True Grit even though it wasn't really blockbustery it could have made it John Wick. We'll get back to that. Interstellar, November 5th. Okay. Need for Speed. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, again, questionable as a blockbuster. Lincoln, November. Interesting. Moneyball. The Star is Born reboot was an October release. Creed and Creed 2. Ooh, Creed definitely feels like a summer movie. Couldn't believe it wasn't. And I know this is like in the biopic category. Bohemian Rhapsody felt like summery blockbuster in a way. Fair. Fist Fight, which is like a good summer comedy movie, is um, Charlie Day and Ice Cube, and it's a February movie, but it's about the end of school. It's really weird. Never heard of it, but have to watch it with that cast. It's good. Logan, March. Logan was a March release. So I had Zero Dark Thirty. Right, right. Uh, the Martian, October. Mm. Red. Related, uh, an aging uh, aging uh, heroes, uh, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Oh. I that was a December and one of my favorite of the franchise. Oh, Rush. That's the other one. The other race car movie. Rush. Right. Uh, Big Hero 6 was an October release. I thought Moana would have been summer. Not. Didn't know that. Lego Movie was a winter release. Aquaman was a December release. Hmm. Last one for me, and uh, actually one of my least favorite movies that got a lot of acclaim was Gravity. Oh. So the only ones that I have, I, I wound up skipping around just for fun, but the only ones that I have that still sort of surprised me, uh, I couldn't believe that Venom wasn't a summer release. Mm. I really thought Tomb Raider would have been. 
Mm. Um, and I would have, I would have, I would have been excited to talk about Tomb Raider with you. And I was a little surprised Batman versus Superman was in summer, regardless of whether it was good or not. It felt like that would have been a summer blockbuster. A summer blockbuster. Yeah, it does it does have that feel to it. Yeah, for sure. All right, now that we've disqualified a lot of movies, <laughs> let's talk about the qualified ones, shall we? Let's go. So I think you are up this week because I went first last week. I am. I have a new thing just because of our list making frustrations. I want us to guess how many of our lists, how many items we have in common on the list. I think three. I, I'm at, I'm at three, and I, I gotta say I'm I'm tempted to even go all the way up to four. Like that's how that's how uh, thin I felt the selections. Yeah. Were. Slim pickets. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I will. I, I think, I think I'm going to do that thing where I pick, pick what, it, what I believe is my favorite of the list as my okay. starting point this time. Okay. Uh, the year is 2015. Okay. Uh, the month is May. Okay. It is the fourth part in the franchise. Okay. We don't have overlap here. Interesting. It uh, did not actually perform. I mean, it was fine, but 782nd all time at $168 million adjusted. This is 2015. Yeah. When I say fourth in the franchise, I'll give another clue. The first three are like 30 years ago. I think you actually have me stumped right here. I have no idea what you're talking about. The director of the movie is also famous for movies about a talking pig. Babe, pig in the city. That would be George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road. How do I how do I not have Mad Max on my list? It's um, on your list. No, I forgot it came out in summer. We might have to replace you with a backup for next week's podcast, JT. I think I just fired myself. Oh my! Uh, it's as I opened. It's it is possibly my favorite blockbuster of the of the teens. Uh, I think it is a near perfect movie. People say it has no character arc, plot, story. I think it has so much of all of those things. I love a movie that drops you into action that with, I think it's less than three minutes long of the opening sequence. You kind of know what's happening and the world has been built for you. And it's one of those movies that's confident enough in its storytelling that it doesn't feel the need for massive exposition. You don't know what half the stuff is and it just doesn't matter. It almost harkens back to a new hope uh, where the cantina scene and there's just weird buggy aliens and stuff. And you're like, do I need to know why that guy's got a weird, funky face? No, I don't. He just has a weird, funky face. And I think that's part of what I really, really respect about Miller's direction of this movie. Um, interesting. I think uh, I think Hardy did a great job, despite only saying, I think it's something like 20 words or some crazy yeah. thing. Uh, so now, since, since you did forget about it, and I can see the obvious chagrin, but I know you would love to talk about this movie. Tell, tell us a bit about what Mad Max Fury Road means to you. Well, so the, the thing that's funny is I said to my wife last week, the 2010s is next week. I want to watch Mad Max again. Like made a point to bring it up because I was like, that's a good excuse to watch this movie again. No, I didn't. Not only did I not, I forgot it happened. This is just, I agree with everything you said. I think you said it pretty well. I wouldn't have anything to add. It's just, it's one of those things where it knew, it's a movie that knew exactly what it was. It was sort of unapologetically what it was, which is why I think some people don't like it. It's almost too on the nose. Right. But it was so, they nailed it. So if you're going to do on the nose, you have to nail it. And they nailed it. And I, I just think it's really well acted. It's 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 exactly what I want it to be. It's a great, great, it's a great, it's a movie, by the way, but it's a great movie. Absolutely. And and since it's all out there, if you have watched the movie, but what, haven't watched any of the, uh, how they do some of the physical effects and the CGI and all the different amazing effects that that movie has, they're worth watching. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way to drop a link to them because uh, they're all on the YouTubes, but they're great, great uh, backgrounds and how to, how to accomplish really, really effective, oh, effective effects. Sorry about that. This is why I need a script. No, uh, it's just really a nice nice job of showing the tie-in between physical and computer-generated imagery. JT, can I ask a, again an honest question? Just again, this is an ageist sort of thing. Sure. What is, what is your prior relationship to the Mad Max franchise? Non-existent. Had you even seen? Yes. But they were just sort of movies. Movies I saw when I was younger. So Road Warrior is one of those, I mean, now it's obviously the cult classic, but Road Warrior is one of those movies in the 80s that you just kind of ended up seeing a few times. And then when Thunderdome came out, 
I was far too young to realize how terrible a movie it is, but it was so much fun. And yeah. I haven't seen it in, again, I don't know, 25, 30 years. I should probably, it's either it belongs in the never watch that again category because your memory is better than it is or watch it just to see what it actually was. But my memories of that were really strong. So when I first heard that, that they were coming back with more Mad Max, to be honest, at first I was like, nah, you've already done this with Crystal Skull and some other things. Like, you can leave the 80s alone. We love them. Uh, but Miller's work was pure art, and I, I, I think it was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I'm going to do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 thing to you and tell you don't go back, <laughs> don't go back and watch that again. <laughs> the secret of the ooze is it sucked. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got? What's your first pick, sir? Okay, so I'm going to do something strategic here, which I think is the first time I've ever done that with this. But I'm going to pick a movie that I know is on your list because I want to go first. <laughs> From that statement alone, I know what movie you're going to pick. Do you? I do. July 16th, 2010, 216th all time, $305 no. million. Dollars. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. my gosh. All right. All right. I give up. What you got? So maybe I'm not. So maybe, listen, June 19th, 2015. June 19th, 2015. Nope, not on my list. Really? Yeah, give me a bit more, though. Let me see if I can get to it. Animated. Okay, I was... Vi- oh, ah, it might be. I didn't write down two of the dates of my animated movies, so... Okay, so Inside Out. Yeah, that was that's a contender. It wasn't my final spot, so I've got two that are up for grabs. You can have it, sir. Okay, so Inside Out, $398 million adjusted, 167th all-time with a $175 million budget. Uh, had two Oscar nominations, one for animated feature, lost for Best Original Screenplay. That's important. The fact that it was up for Best Original Screenplay as an animated film should tell you just how good this movie is. If you haven't seen this movie, stop listening, go watch it right now. That's how good this is. Funny enough, I actually only saw it for the first time, I think like six weeks ago. I recently watched this and it made it all the way up onto the onto my contenders list. This movie, if I may, soapbox for a moment. So the cast is great, whatever. So Bill Hader, who I think should just be required to be in all animated films. Amy Poehler, who whatever, like her, dislike her, she's funny. Louis Black, uh, Mindy Kaling, Diane Lane, Phyllis from The Office, a Richard Kind sighting, which I love because he's hysterical. Um, Paula Poundstone is oddly in this movie, which is like a really fun, like late 80s, early 90s comedy throwback. And then Frank Oz. I saw Paula Poundstone live in concert, sitting in the first row with my mom. I don't know how old, I must have been like 15 or something. And because we were in the first row, obviously she's like, hey, who's this child sitting right yeah. here? And we had a little banter. Paula, when you hear this episode, I was that guy, Albuquerque, New Mexico, I don't know, 1988? Great show. Thanks. What put it there? So let's get through some of like the, the first, the, just some cool trivia stuff. It has all the Pixar things. Hard stop, right? Yep. Yep. The, the one cool thing about this Pixar thing, though, is that you have to go looking for the Pizza Planet truck. It's not as obvious in the other movies, but it's in the movie three times, which is kind of neat. Um, one of the things, my favorite things about this, there's a great show that very few people have watched because it got canceled, uh, but it was called Lie to Me, and it's a, a story of Cal Lightman. Uh, it's Tim Roth, and he plays this guy who can do micro expressions. It was based on a guy named Paul Ekman. I went to school for psychology. Ekman is like a big deal in microexpressions and, and psychology in general. He actually consulted on this film to figure out which emotions and how the emotions play. They took this really seriously. Nice. Um, fun little fact, the voice of the uh, toddler Riley was actually just unused dialogue of Mary Gibbs, who was Boo from Monsters, Inc. That made me really <laughs> smile. I didn't know that. Uh, only 45 total animators in this film, which is crazy. Uh, and then lastly, so Richard, there's a really beautiful moment with Richard Kind when he says, take her to the moon for me, okay? And it sounds like he's crying. He was crying. And apparently so is the entire crew when wow. he filmed that scene, which is wow. crazy. So that's the fun stuff. Now why this movie's amazing. This will be the only one that I go long on, but I'm going to go a little long on this one. So this is one of the most beautiful things that Pixar has, has ever put together, in my opinion. First of all, there's no antagonist in this story which is really, really hard to do. That's an incredibly big feat in movie writing, right? Uh, It's a masterclass in storytelling because there's two movies happening at the same time. It's telling Joy's story and it's telling Riley's story, which is really, really, really hard to do and is done absolutely beautifully. 
the end of this movie, when Riley grows up, spoiler alert, like the idea of mixed emotions and that adults just have mixed emotions, it's like a really subtle, not in your face, but it's a really, really important distinction. It's really, really cool and beautiful the way they do it. Um, I think it's the most important film you could ever show a kid because it just explains things in a way that only cartoons can to kids. Uh, I honestly don't know that I can think of a single film, animated or otherwise, that so beautifully and clearly landed the plane on the meaning that they intended to. It was so well done. The message is so deliberate. I just couldn't say more about how good this is, both from the you made a beautiful movie and God, this is fun to watch. Very well said, JT. Now, uh, most importantly, did you cry more for this or for Coco? Oh, this one. Oh, really? really? Yeah, so I have a weird emotional story with this, which is my my three-year-old daughter watched this with me for the first time after we had moved, and when Riley gets sad thinking of her friends, my three-year-old broke down and cried. Oh, that's, and so, that's it. Cemented, permanent, I get it. Forget it. <laughs> All right, Jared, what's your next one? All right, I'm, I'm going to put my animated slot on hold because I might not come back to it, depending on where this conversation goes. And, and it may well have been Inside Out. Fair enough. So I, uh, I I realized there was a little bit of a, a not a loophole in our rules, but sort of a, a, a crack in the rules that I was able to navigate in a, what I think was a bit of a clever way, which is a non-MCU comic book movie that actually is a Marvel um, storyline. Okay. Uh, in other words, not a DC movie, but another Marvel movie, but just not an MCU Marvel movie. And that was our specific constraints. That's true. So I'm going to uh, select uh, from May 21st, 2014, 381st of all time, 263 million adjusted. It's one of those comic books that if you would even, I was a big comic book reader as a kid. If you had even thought they'd make a movie of this story, you would have been like, please do, but it's probably impossible. Uh, It's X-Men Days of Future Past. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I think... Mostly because of my nostalgia for that storyline. And they made some changes to it that, you know, I think as a purist offended a lot of people, but as a story narrative goes, we're fine. You know, the Kitty Pride stuff, et cetera. It doesn't matter because I don't want to go geek out on the comic book details. Uh, It's the rare, first of all, it's a rare time travel story that actually holds up pretty well. Mm -hmm. It's got some issues still and, and they kind of violate their own rules a couple of times. Uh, but that's fine. It's definitely the, the cast is great. Uh, you've got each of the various uh, X Men with possibly the best people who have played those roles doing their roles really well. Um, Hugh Jackman's obviously great in I mean everything, but in particular, yeah. I think this might be him at his prime version of Wolverine. This or Logan's probably toss up for me. Um, and again, the way. It show it reminded me of how much when you have great source material, all you got to do is stay as close to it as you can, and you'll do something phenomenal. So I like X Men: Days of Future Past quite a lot. Yeah, to be honest, uh, this not being an MCU movie, I think might have not dawned on me. Otherwise, it probably would have been on my list. TV. So this is clever. I think I sort of didn't. And it's funny. I actually had a moment to myself where I was like, I should read. I should really look into what is or is not MCU before we do this, because I might be able to sneak one in and then didn't do it. And this definitely would have been on it. I agree. I think this is, this is my favorite Wolverine for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He does a great job, both the young and the old. Um, Patrick Stewart's always good. James McAvoy holds his role. Well, Yeah. Uh, the kid who plays beast, whose name I never remember. Nick, Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Yeah. Oh, who was also in Fury road. Yes. He I guess this is my top five Nicholas Holt movies. <laughs> Actually, by the way, I think he might be in one of my other picks. I got, I'm going to have to go check that out while you're while you're talking. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so for my next one, I'm going to go with, I think, the next most obvious one that you've already brought up, just because we should just get it over with, because I think it belongs It belongs on the list clearly. July 16, 2010, 355 million, 216th all-time, $160 million budget. Christopher Nolan, if he makes a movie, he's probably going to be on one of our lists. It is Inception, obviously. I'm not going to go through all the Oscar stuff. This is definitely on my list as well, by the way. This was this was my next one. So It had to be. Like this yeah. just this is the one where I knew there like we both would have it. I'm not going to do there's a bunch of cool trivia, go read up on it. Like there's a, there's a bunch of really cool stuff. What I think is important for for me, 
the cast is wild, right? Leo, JGL, Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, Cillian Murphy, who we, we both apparently love. Um, Michael Caine, Ken Watanabe. The, the, it's brilliantly filmed, right? So amazing use of sound. It's visually stunning. The entire movie is absurd. The amount they didn't do with CGI is absurd. It's been well covered. Right. Um, the cinematography, I really like the Nolan dark and confusing what it needs to be. Uh, something came to my mind with him that we had talked about on a previous podcast. His ability to be steady but fast-paced is what the Bourne series needed. It's not shaky cam. It's not all over the place. It's not confusing. It's it's beautifully shot. It just feels fast. He's really, really, he's incredible at that. Right. I love that it was complex and unapologetically so. They didn't dumb it down. They kept it sort of weird. Right. Like they kept it so that it was, it was supposed to be complicated. They didn't make it so dumb for the audience, which I thought was smart. The suspension of disbelief premise for me on this one is interesting because you brought that up before. And I love the way that you talked about it. So I'm going to implement what I call the Jeremy scale now. Ooh. And on the Jeremy scale, this only gets like a three out of 10 because there's a whole lot of plot holes in this. Uh, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm mixed. I, I, it's, a, it's, it's very funny you bring it up because it's one of the things I was going to bring up is I'm very torn on what do I think about the overall like world of inception. Right. And it's, you have to do some serious disbelief. You have to, you have to give up on a lot of things as you go, even the rules they establish. Like my biggest beef with the movie is the rules of like, what's a kick. Yeah. Plenty of things seem like they were kicks. There were a lot of kicks. Yeah. I have a whole list of like, so the very notion that a dream would affect a person is wild. The levels of dreams and the kicks to get you in and out make absolutely no sense. Ellen Page was wildly comfortable with this whole thing in like no time at all. Like it's a, like a two minute montage. It was just like, oh yeah, let's create dreams. Like there's just, you have to do a lot of like, there's a, there's a lot of timing issues specifically with the kicks as far as like how long it took versus how long this took. This was three minutes, but it should have been one minute. Like there's a lot of like, huh? The rest of the movie is so good. It doesn't matter. Um, the limbo construct was really shaky at best, like across the board. Like it just made no sense why Saito does know it. And then the cop can come in and out of it. All of that said, it's a three out of 10 on the Jeremy scale. And it's a great summer blockbuster. And I love it. Agreed. And, and, and it's a three out of 10. I, that's a well-characterized thing. And I, I probably would be a three. That sounds about right. But I also have this weird thing where it almost hits the Jurassic Park levels of like, okay, mosquitoes, amber DNA, therefore dinosaurs. Like, no, not really at all. Right. But I'll accept that that's the world. In this world, I think you have to accept the dream stuff is legit. You have to accept that you can implant the concept in someone's like if we accept all that, to me the big bugs are they break their own rules over and over again. And somehow I kind of look past it, but in a way it's what probably keeps it from being one of my like all-time favorites. I think uh, Memento, actually, for example, I, I probably put it a slightly higher esteem as a Nolan movie, um, where they do this a lot of the same same gimmickry, but actually stick to their own rules the entire time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and by the way, it was not Nicholas Holt. It, I, I just looked it up. It was Lucas Haas. Um, oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Who was also in? Wasn't he in Mars Attacks? Oh, whatever. Yes, he was. He was. A, he was. Yeah. Woo. Because he's sort of before your time. He is. Well, he, I, yeah, he was, he is a little bit, but I love Mars Attacks. So there's actually, I lied. There's two pieces of trivia that I wanted to pull out for you specifically in this because you love stuff like this and so do I. Um, so in Inception, if you take the first letters of all the main characters, which I'm not going to run through, it spells dreams pay. Wow. Which is, which is like a total Nolan thing. The other total Nolan thing is the running time of the DVD is exactly 8,888 seconds. Hmm. Do you know the trivia about the music? No. Do you know anything about the music at all? Well, I know this. So Zimmer, Zimmer's the guy. Zimmer, was it not Zimmer? No, no, it was Zimmer. The main, there's one on the trailer I know somebody else did that gets credited, right. that gets credited to Zimmer, but isn't. Not that part. So it's, it's what Zimmer did with it. So Edith Piaf has this French singer. She's most famously known for La Vie en Rose. She also has this song, Non, je, je ne regrette rien, which means I don't, I don't regret anything. It's easy to translate that one. Uh, sorry to my parents for butchering my French pronunciation. Um, <laughs> hey, it's been years. It's been years. I tried. What's interesting about the movie is that the theme of that song is used throughout the movie as the score slowed massively down. 
So the the French song, all of those brants and all those noises, all that is actually this this I don't know seventy year old French song slowed down to like one one hundredth and then one two hundredth. I can't remember the exact cadences. Very Googleable stuff, by the way. But it's um it's all again using math to make certain things to make it so perfectly consistent. There are certain plot huh. points that happen at certain beats of the music that like tie the whole thing together. And and again, I think those. Those are those things that round out the movie in such a really special, special way. That's amazing. I also, by the way, I really thought, thought um, I don't pronounce her last name well, Marion Cotillard, Cotillard, Cotillard. Uh, I thought her performance, she was the the ex or the the wife who was left in limbo or whatever. She was Mal. She was Mal. Yeah. Um, by the way, which was named Mal because Mal means bad in French. Yeah. She, I thought she was phenomenal in the movie, and I like her a lot. And she was in Dark Knight Rises and a bunch of other of uh, of Nolan's work. This is one of my favorite performances of hers. Yeah, she had like a really nice run as a femme fatale. Like she had like she did like three or four movies like this. The cast in this is absurd. I mean, the cast was so good. Yeah, you you mentioned like half of them, and there's still another half to go that are all amazing. Yeah, yeah. there's more. Like nobody was bad in this, which is like a very it was yeah, it's a great movie. It's a really good movie. All right, well, that was my third also. So, have you now done two or three? You've done two. That was my second. All right. So, that was now my third. So, you get to go again. Okay. Right? right? No? I, I mean, sure. You're not, you're not taking it from me. I'm not, I'm not surrendering the, the slot. I don't have... The only thing I have as a backup is which animated movie I'm picking. Well, do you want to do... If you want to... Why don't you do the other animated movie that's not inside out? Because then I'll be at four and you'll still be at two. Okay, so I'll do another one then. Yeah, I'll fly through one. How about All that? All right. Yeah, you know, it could be it, it could be amazing. We might need a half hour on this one alone. But no, no, no. Not. I'm going to pick the one that definitely doesn't deserve much time because this was kind of my. This is almost a joke one, but kind of not. But I'm putting it on the list anyway. Uh, June fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. It made fifty four million dollars domestic. <laughs> so are we sure that's a blockbuster? No, it's not a blockbuster. I don't care. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Like, it's not. There's nothing about this as a blockbuster, but it checks all the boxes of what makes a summer blockbuster minus the actual busting of the block. Okay. So it's like a semi-failed blockbuster. Basically, yes. Hmm. All right. All right. What year was that? 2015? 2018. 18. Is this one of those, like, it should have been a huge summer thing, but then it just wasn't? They, they tried to make a blockbuster out of a comedy movie and it didn't necessarily work all that well, but there's things about it that I think have redeeming quality. All right. I'll go with it. Let's go. Okay. Tag. Oh, I saw Tag. That's a great airplane movie, by the way. Brilliant airplane movie. It's, it, it is rewatchable in like the most fun way. Yeah. Um, I love this cast. Jake Johnson's hysterical. I absolutely loved him as, as uh, Nick Miller. He's one of the funniest dudes ever. He's also in a great movie, by the way, called Drinking Buddies with Olivia Wilde that everybody should see. Uh, John Hamm is John Hamm. If you don't like him, you're a bad person. Hannibal Burris is so awkward. It's brilliant. Ed Helms and Jeremy Renner were perfectly cast in this movie. Like, they're perfectly cast as, like, against each other. Um, Isla Fisher's always funny. Rashida Jones is great. It's based on a true story. That's funny. There's a bunch of really dramatic action scenes in a comedy that are so aggressively satirical that this movie's fun. Like, it knows what it was. It was very, very hilarious. They have, like, these slow-motion fight scenes over tag it to me, it checks all the boxes of this feels like a blockbuster, but it's not, and it never was supposed to be. And also, I couldn't pick Marvel movies, and all of these people were in Marvel movies, so <laughs> this was as close as I could get. Right? Jake Johnson was in Spider Into the Spider Verse. Hannibal Burns was in Spider Man Homecoming. Jeremy Renner is Hawkeye, and Leslie Bibbs in Iron Man Two. They're they're all taken, <laughs> uh, and none of them have been in a, a Chris Nolan movie. I. I think this is one of those movies that actually had the contender to be like a sleeper blockbuster hit. I, my hunch is that I don't exactly know how the studios plan all these things out, but my hunch is this is one of those where it was filed under could be a breakout hit. Didn't cost us too much to make, you know, good enough. Yeah, it did. Listen, the budget was $28 million. It did 54 domestic. It cleared over a hundred million like worldwide. It was exactly what it was supposed to be. It probably, this is one of those ones where 2018, I don't remember, it probably came out against something MCU related, so there was no shot. But like, again, it it just, it has all of the check marks of like, yeah, this is fun, it's funny, there's action for no reason, it's a great cast, 
there's no plot holes because the plot's not intense enough to screw up. Like it's good. It's, it's funny. Like I said, this was kind of my one joke one, but I like this movie and this is my, I'm rebelling against how bad all the other options were. Fair enough. I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a decent pick. I think the, if I had to take a hunch as to why it didn't perform better, it's a, it's a lot of non-drawing great actors. Yep. Like everybody you named are, are people that we all like. But it's sort of like that Mix FM station, you know. It's all stuff you you kind of like, but you never necessarily yep. choose to. You're not right. You're not like I've got to go here. Uh, uh, aha! One more time today. But if it comes on the radio, it's all right. Yeah. What this movie was missing was one of the two guys who were originally attached, which was Will Ferrell or Jack Black. Either of those guys are in this. It's probably a hundred million dollar movie. More so, Will Ferrell than Jack Black. Yeah, I don't think Jack Black does it either, to be honest. I think you need a real, like, somebody that people are like, I want to see that guy in the theaters every time. And that's that, to me, is much more Will Ferrell. Where Jeremy Renner could have been, but just that hasn't quite managed to get there. Uh, if we go back to the previous week topic of, like, the MI franchise and the other one, Bourne franchise, uh, I just don't think he's a big draw. I think he's he's someone we all like. Uh, John Hamm, too. I, I like John Hamm very much, but I don't... I don't think that I would go see a John Hamm movie yet. He isn't drawn in that way. I think you're perfectly right. I think none of them are draws. All of them are really good, but they're not a draw. Right. No one's like, oh, there's a new John Hamm movie. There's like, there's a new movie with John Hamm. It's never, there's a new John Hamm movie. Right. I think if you threw in a, as you said, Will Ferrell, a Steve Carell, um, you know, I think uh, even or, or or even a more dramatic, bigger star like a Leo. Um, I think all of those kind of kind of Bruce Willis could have been fun in this movie. Yeah, well, you know what I was thinking honestly when I was going through it is like, what name would have really pulled this? And I was like, you know, who would have been great is one of the Ryan's, either one of the Canadian, like so, either Ryan Reynolds or uh, why can't I think of his name? Who's married to Eva Mendes? Ryan Gosling. Oh, Gosling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a fair one. I think he'd be good in this, actually. Yeah, so Ryan Gosling, because he was in Crazy Stupid Love, now it's all coming back to me, which is a great, it's a hilarious rom-com. And he was so good in that as like this kind of funny, but kind of serious thing, he would have been perfect. Anyway, I'm going to say tag because I hated all the other movies from this decade. (laughs) By the way, you know, a funny thing that just came to mind is if you took like tag and game night and sort of pushed them into one movie and like prune that cast down, because you really have like, that's kind of, they're, they're kind of the same movie. Yeah, they're 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 all the exact same movie. Like, there's a bunch of them like that. Like, if you could have put like Bateman and Gosling in that as the two leads, and then keep Jake and Hannibal, and then find a way to get him, it would have been perfect. Right. By yeah. the way, you know what else would be fun? You know who else I would have watched in this movie? I would love to see them take the Hangover cast and put them together again. Like, yeah. Can you imagine the Hangover cast in this movie? Right. Yeah, be great. It'd be, it'd be very different and all that, but but they they were a good uh, they were a good crew. Yeah, the mixture of those guys was was very good. Yeah. So yeah, tag. All right, I'm going to my animated movie, which I'm going to definitively declare is Frozen. Okay. 116th of all time, $459 million. And part of the reason it makes my list, other than I think it's just a great film with a really good message and good story, is I was lucky enough that it was not the exact right time for my daughter to want to watch it 100 times. So I've only had to see it like a couple of times. And... I never got sick of it. And I think that's the reason probably people, it, I think it's one of those movies that got overexposed to so many times that it became like like that song from Titanic. I, I never needed to hear that song again. It's a great song, but I've heard it enough for my entire life in that like four year span. Yeah. Frozen, I think for a lot of people is one of those. It hit right at the time where it was available on streaming and kids could start watching it a billion times over. Um, but as movies go, other than a lot of the setup as to the, the Anna and Elsa dynamic, which makes absolutely no sense, uh, I have to basically ignore all of that of the movie because it's uh, there's there's a great wisecrack uh, YouTube video where they summarize plots in like a funny way in like three minutes, and one of the comments they make is it's like, and the parents separate the kids upon deciding they had done all the parenting they would ever need to do. <laughs> left, <laughs> right? Like that was it. <laughs> It would be it would be like my kids, like, you know, when they were young, I told them not to pick up the sharp knives or turn on the oven. It would be like them at like 25 still not picking up sharp knives or touching the oven. Like maybe you could have an interim discussion on now that we've changed a little. Here's about these powers. Yeah. Any, anywho, other than that, 
pretty big nit with the overall story. I think the rest of it's really fun. I, I love the, again, the voices are great. The animation's beautiful. Uh, I think it hit at the right moment for uh, a new generation of audiences to see strong female characters do doing strong independent things. Um, and doesn't get too over the top with it either in a really, really well done way. And I think a lot of movies don't always know where that line is. The song, I mean, the music's great. The music's fun. You don't have to be a kid to think the music's great. So, Frozen. I love it. Yeah, they actually, have you seen the second one? I have. Opening morning with my daughter. Mm, So they address a lot of the why didn't you address stuff in two. Right. Which I'm not convinced was intentional. I think that was more happenstance. However, I do think that, yeah, listen, this was definitely, my daughter was a little too young for the first one, so we didn't have to watch it a million times. I have since seen the second one a billion times. (laughs) However, I will say that there is a beautiful documentary on the making of the second one that's on Disney Plus that you if you like filmmaking, especially if you are curious about the animation side, have to watch it. It will change the way that you watch animated films for the rest of your life. Wow. You're, you are the second person, by the way, to say that to me in like two weeks. So was it new? Is it new to Disney Plus? Is that a new release? They, they put it on for Disney Plus during the release. It is so good. And you specifically will geek out because it is so enveloped in the music. So much of that movie. Actually, the people who I always forget that lovely couple's name who's so talented. They did Coco as well. But that, that couple actually got writing credits on this film on Frozen 2 because of how inherently important the music was to the story it's really cool very cool i'm definitely going to check that out actually this is the time i want to bring up another interesting thing of the tw- of the teens while looking through the top grossing stuff in the, once we've ruled out star wars and marvel here's just a sample of some of the uh top i don't know what this is 150 in the top 150 grossing of all time uh the lion king remake the beauty and the beast remake uh finding dory frozen 2 Toy Story 3 and 4. Um, it was really interesting how often it kept coming up that the thing that would did oh, Incredibles 2, the thing that did really well was actually a full rehash of some other thing. Yep. Yeah. That's the teens for you. Uh, that's basically what I learned doing research for this. So you're on pick number four, I believe. I'm on four. So Math is hard. I'm going to stay with female empowerment. And I think this is one that you're going to disagree with, if not actually genuinely dislike. I'm already like all clenched up because I think I know what you're going to pick and I think I'm going to have to argue with you, but go on. Okay. So what do you think I'm going to pick? I think you're about to say Bridesmaids. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, oh, no, 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 no. Bridesmaids is, um, is a shame because it's actually a brilliant portrayal by Kristen Wiig of a pretty bad story. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, she actually deserved an Oscar for that. She was great, but like, and, and all the gags were great, but as a movie, it was just, uh, just a, a mess. No, I actually went hardcore blockbuster for this. So this is June second, twenty seventeen. Uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Okay. Four hundred thirty-two million dollars adjusted gross, one hundred fifty million dollars budget. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to belabor this one because it's not one of my favorite movies. I'm also not a DC fan in general. However, Gal Gadot was so good in this. I thought she did an amazing job. Uh, this was not an easy role to nail, specifically because of the time that it came out, because of where the MCU was. Uh, it was the first female-led superhero since uh, Electra came out in 2005. Wow. So this is not a small thing that she was doing. I thought she took it to a really interesting place. Uh, there are some like not aggressively annoying plot holes. There's a lot of like, but couldn't they just questions in this for sure? That being said, I thought Chris Pratt and Chris Pine was actually really good. I thought he was like believable in this, which was really kind of nice because I think they needed a little bit of like sort of just like baseline believability because of a lot of the just the huge sweeps of like, oh, just accept this is reality that they took. Did you uh, did you almost confuse your Chris's for a second? For a second. I mean, they're they're interchangeable, but I just wanted to just. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It took me a second, but Pine, I got to Pine. Uh, and then lastly, like the rest, the thing that impressed me the most about this cast is it's a $150 million budget. It did huge numbers. This is a cast that is surprisingly not big names or showy. The fact that they had a $150 million budget with Gal Gadot and Chris Pine and then Connie Nielsen, Robin Wright, who was Jen A, uh, Danny Houston, who was very good. I actually liked him in this role a lot. Uh, like they didn't have, a, it wasn't like the MCU movies where there's all of a sudden there's like seven really big red carpet names. 
It was like Gal Gadot, who is a rising star for sure, Chris Pine, who apparently could fit this in between Star Trek, and then a bunch of really, really good actors that right. no one knows. With with the exception, and this is my one of my biggest beefs of the movie, is David Thewlis as the bad guy. And is is my biggest problem with Wonder Woman actually is the is the villain. Is is he's another one of your Big, powerful bad guy. Uh, I think it's actually the biggest problem that DC franchises have is there's sort of these interchangeable big bads. And they're just yep. they're just motivated by sort of being evil. You know, you compare that to Michael B. Jordan. You know, his, his bad guy has crazy motivation, clear ambition, obvious thing. Even Thanos is like demented evil bad guy with a plan. Here I felt it was like sort of a revealed way too soon. Like there's no suspense for a second that you don't think the moment he's on screen, you're like, that's our bad guy. Uh, And I think they could have done a better job with that. Um, My other beef with this movie is the, um, the, they played the fish out of water thing, right? You've got uh, wonder woman asking some pretty dumb questions, considering their whole purpose was like studying and protecting humanity. Yeah, there's a there's a thing where she asks what a secretary is, and it's like you speak a thousand languages and don't know what that is. It makes no sense. She even doesn't know what holding hands is. I'm like, how, right. if, if you have read any books about humans, you know what holding right. hands are. So, I think they could have done the fish out of water in a different way. They could have. I mean, they certainly sort of made it look like they had no idea what was going on in the world. They could have played a bit more off that. They could have been more. She could have been more amazed by like cell phones or well, there weren't cell phones because it was set back then. But you know what I mean, like the tech, yeah. right? Less than oh, a man and woman are holding hands. I wonder why. Yeah, I definitely. I think that's right. I think there's like I said, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that definitely made me go what? Specifically because I don't know DC as well. I didn't come in with a bunch of preconceived notions, so I was kind of like, yeah, this could be anything. And of all the things that existed in the 2010s that was not in the Marvel universe at all, because I I missed a good Marvel movie that would have technically fallen in and definitely got replaced this for sure. Uh, I think this was a good movie. It was well done. I would watch it again. Yeah. You know, ultimately, like the story itself is a self-contained thing. There's stuff that I would definitely change, but it was fine. I liked it. And it's definitely a blockbuster. Listen, it got people out. You want to see the theaters. It's big. It's loud. It's it's exciting. So for that reason, um, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think, it, you know, my, my issues, I just didn't think it was great. I thought it was a really solid movie. If it were, if if we were to declare the MCU is sort of the gold standard of comic book movies, and I don't know that we should, but if we were, I think this would be a solid middle to upper tier of the pack. Yeah. You know, it's definitely, it's, it's far better than an Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it's, it's not as strong as an Iron, it might be as strong as like Doctor Strange, but not quite Iron Man, somewhere in that kind of... Yeah, I would put it below Doctor Strange too. It's it, it's listen, it's better than half of the Marvel movies, but it's nowhere close to as good as the good ones. Very well said. Yeah. Thanks. My my other by the way, my other minor gripe with this, and and actually we as a family just watched uh, Shazam the other day, and I have the same gripe with it, which is um, oh Shazam's quite good actually. Uh, probably right on par with Wonder Woman as far as just cohesive story, good performances, fun jokes, good effects, all that. Um, but they both do the same thing that I really dislike if you're making a movie that is going to hit kids. Just a little too much on the gruesomeness. Like the poison lady, yeah. she was kind of awful. And it like of all the things, I was just like, I just don't want my kid like do you have to do you have to make it quite so vivid and quite so gross? Like, no, you don't. You you, you can hide some stuff. So Yeah, the the Dr. Maru character was pretty intense and like the whole mustard gas thing in general. Like there's a couple like those are not like mild scenes. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Daddy, can you explain to me what mustard gas is? No. Well, it's not what you put on your hot dog, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll tell you by the way what almost snuck in when I was debating my uh, my my animated pick there. I almost, and it's borderline for for that slot, but I think Frozen was just such a better movie. Because this is sort of in your camp with a, with Tag as just a fun, goofy movie. So this is my f- fake sixth pick, and then I'll go to my actual fifth pick. Uh, right. Ted. Yeah, I have that on the list. Ted's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's just fun. All right. Totally great. So you brought it up before, and we don't actually have a no sequel rules in our little game here. And clearly they learned something based on release dates. But uh, John Wick the third. 
came out on May 15th, 2019, just squeezing into the summer blockbuster timeframe. So John Wick 3 Parabellum. Yeah. So I, I have John Wick 3 Parabellum. I have I have a backup because I knew you'd have this one, or I, I I thought we would. It's not my favorite of the Wick series by any stretch of the imagination, but Same. it's better than all the other stuff. Same. That, that's exactly what I thought about it. If I could have put one on, it's the first, because I with the second being like right behind it. Yeah, one A, one B. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's like a nine point six and a nine point four. I, I would say on that standard, I put John Wick three as like a solid like eight point eight kind of thing. Yeah. My biggest gripe with it as a movie is it is is almost watch, you're almost watching a video game. You literally watch John Wick progress through a level, fight the big bad, beat the big bad, move up to the next level, go to the next location, have the new challenge. You know, now we're jumping over barrels instead of climbing up ladders, whatever the thing is. Uh, but at the same time, it's so much fun to watch that it's almost like watching someone play a video game who's really great at playing the video game. You know, it's a fun movie. I actually had this as my sixth because the the two things that keep this off the list for me, one, they the whole idea of the hotel and that you can't do anything in the hotel is taken to such an extreme in this one where it's like, can we just stop? Like, it clearly isn't actually a thing. Like, you tried <laughs> to kill him in the hotel in the first one. The second one revolves around stuff. And then the third one, it's just a bloodbath. It's like, I don't know. For some reason, that just took it too far for me anyway. And then lastly, Mark Dakasokis or whatever his name is. So he's the bad guy in this. He's also oh, okay. the, the Iron Chef host on Food Network, by the way. Oh, that guy. Oh, my gosh. I never. That's funny. I didn't know that. So I have a little bit of an issue with him acting in this where it was, I think you nailed it. And I hadn't thought of it until you said it. He's a video game character. Yeah. Like zero, his, I think it's zero is his name. He's a video game villain. And it's just like, dude, I get that that's what they want you to be, but you're almost too dialed into, it's like, it's not even camp, it's Hoke. Right. And like, I have a little bit of an issue with the Hoke of that. That's, those are my two big, the two things that made this movie not as good as the first two, those are those two things. He's like Billy Zane in Titanic. He's so yes. incredibly one-dimensional that, yeah. that it's a parody of one-dimensional characters. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We could, this again goes into the same, same theory I keep having around bad guys. I think, I think action movies that are the greatest action movies have the best conceived villains with smart plans, right? That's where things get the most interesting. And even if they're not super smart in the sense that they're like really strategic, just more of they're super consistent with values and things like that. Uh, I also agree with you on the hotel comment. It's funny while watching this one, you know, in the second one, they violated their own rules about what the hotel, what's the, the continental, what the, what you can do in inside the continental. And this one like and, and they clearly are more establishing the rules of their universe and then violating their own rules in a weird way that like if you really, really don't ever fight in the continental, then then don't fight in the continental. Like Right. Just don't. And they just keep finding new ways to fight in the continental. <laughs> At the same time, I, I have to say the world building they're doing, like if I can forgive that for a second, which I can because I love this this franchise. The uh, world building they're doing about the Continental and this League of Assassins or whatever they're all called is is so far second to none. I, I haven't seen any movies really do things this way in such a smart, clever way. It's it's almost like the opposite of how the, the Fast and Furious franchise evolves, where yes. every movie they just sort of magically get new powers. Yeah. You know, so you're good yeah. at driving a Honda Civic. Oh, and you're also one of the greatest hackers on the planet. That's cool. Yeah. You know, that happens. Um, yeah. But you knew nothing about computers three movies ago. Yeah, that's it's okay. We can we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, this movie is the opposite. They keep building the world in a more and more intelligent way, and I really like that about it. Yeah, I totally I, I dig this pick. It's a good pick. Yeah. So what you got? Okay, so my last one. So this was my like sort of had like a five A five B. Not that I was going to do both. I didn't know really want to do either of them. But this one I'm going to do. I don't think you're going to like this pick, but I do think it's a blockbuster. So May thirty first of twenty thirteen. Uh, it did $117 million domestic, but it did $350 worldwide. So it's 390th all time for worldwide, not adjusted. Uh, it's not on my list. I don't know. Is this a Transformers movie or something, Pat? No, it's not. So this is Now You See Me. Oh, that's a fun movie. 
So I'm going to steal from Shea Serrano from The Ringer, who said this so brilliantly, it's not even worth trying to paraphrase. He was talking, he's trying to talk to a detractor from The Ringer who doesn't like this movie, and he said, but it seems strange to pretend that it's not at least a little bit interesting to watch Jesse Eisenberg nominated for an Oscar, Woody Harrelson nominated for three Oscars, Dave Franco, who's smoking hot, Isla Fisher, who's nominated for 13 different non-Oscar awards, Michael Caine nominated for six Oscars, Morgan Freeman nominated for five Oscars, Melanie Laurent, who's a beautiful actress, and Mark Ruffalo nominated for three Oscars. Oh, and he's the Incredible Hulk. Take magic very seriously for 115 minutes. I like I that. mean, yeah. that should have been on the poster. That's right. That's the movie. Now, the reason that this is actually like two things, and then we'll stop because I don't need to go into now. Now you see me as a film. <laughs> but like R- Mark Ruffalo versus Eisenberg is some of the best opposite casting, I think, in a long time. They are so polar opposites, right? Eisenberg comes across as a smug, arrogant, guarded sort of twerp who's very punchable in everything he does. Mark Ruffalo is warm and inviting and trustworthy and the Hulk, but he's also Bruce Banner. Like there's something about these two in the film, the way they position them as, as at odds. And then as they come together, it really sort of makes this aha thing make more sense. And it's just really, really brilliant casting. And they both lean into that a lot in this, in these particular roles. And I thought it was well done. Look, is it a cheesy heist movie? Yeah. Does it require you to accept that magic is real? no, they actually do a really good job if you go into the internet, which I will we'll provide a link to all the cool things. Shea Serrano called a lot of this out in the ringer of all the ways that they were illusions and you just have to know enough about magic to know it was an illusion. Um, do you kind of need to watch this movie more than once? Yeah, kind of. They do a good job, I think, similar to Inception of being unapologetic about it's hard to follow its magic. It's supposed to be hard. Right. Um, is it a great movie? Absolutely not. Does it feel like a blockbuster? It does. Yeah, it's. I think it's a good pick. It's super fun. I again, another movie I'm pretty late to watching. I think I watched it uh, at the end of last year or so. I haven't seen the sequels. Heard they're okay. I've heard they're. I've heard they're worth it. You know, they're not bad. The thing that this movie did pretty well, and we talked about it a lot, right? Like the idea of antagonist. The antagonist, like, so there's not a lot of motivation for Michael King to do what he does outside of ego. But he, if you can remove that one thing, the rest of the story actually kind of holds, and it holds. The thread actually goes through the sequels too. So it's, you know, it's fun. It's definitely feels like summer. It's kind of big and boisterous and like a really fun and kind of like juvenile, but like, you know, fun way. And it's magic. Like they take magic really seriously for 115 minutes. That's hilarious. We need to do a heist movie list for sure. Love heist movie. For sure. Love a good heist. So speaking of heist, let's fly through movies that didn't make the list that were summer movies. Wait, so are we including, because I actually deliberately didn't put anything on this list that I, that I really disliked. So, because there's a lot of those. So my list is thin comparatively. Well, no, my life, my, my list is pretty, my life, my list is pretty thin. We could talk about that a little later, JT. Let's oh, do okay. it. All right. Kick us off. Okay. So I'm going to start with the one that I mentioned earlier because I said I would mention it again. I was so mad at this movie for so many reasons because it so, could have been so good. The A-Team. Oh, that was, um, yes. Agreed. I, I think, I think it was one of those, like it just almost It was like, it was one rewrite away from not sucking and it would have actually been really good. And instead it was brutal. I take issues with that. I don't think it sucked at all. I think it's, I think it's just, I think it's just sort of, I think it's actually like a C plus. I think it's actually very watchable once or twice. It's a, it's fun. It's ridiculous, but I agree with you. It's a rewrite away from being great. I agree. I happen to love the A-Team as a kid. It's one of those things that is nostalgic for me. I wanted this movie to be so, so good. The problem is, is that using the Jeremy scale, this is a one out of 10. There are things in this movie that they do or don't do that are just unforgivable, including, but not limited to the fact that they have to, this is the, one of the biggest scenes that drives me nuts. I won't go too deep, but like when they show face doing the actual like three card Monty with the cups again, and they have to reference back to the fact that he did that. Like when, when, when he was yes. describing it, before, how dumb does the audience have to be for you to have to go back to that stuff like that? Just, it drives me nuts. I listen, I'll still watch this movie if it's on, cause it's fun. It's a good cast. And it's, it's kind of funny. The guy who played Murdoch was hilarious. But it just could have been so good, and it was just so mediocre. I, I think that's fair. I always wondered what happened. You know how they used the they they shot the tank to reposition the tank midair. Yeah. Where did those shells go? 
Because let, let me tell you something. Massive destruction is the answer to that. But what I will tell you is very funny is that is one of the best lines that they wrote in that movie is when I forget, I think her name is also Sosa when Jessica Biel, they're like, they're like in that control room, like, what are they doing? And she's like, they're trying to fly the tank. That's a really well delivered and well written line. (laughs) Yeah, This this is a, uh, like a, not a Tarantino. I don't know who you bring in for the rewrite on this, like a Chris McQuarrie or one of those kind of folks. Get it from Zack Snyder. Like just get really weird with it. Like I feel like, (laughs) Oh, no, we don't. Nah. By the way, early prediction is that the the Snyder cut is not going to appease fans either. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that another time. All right, that was a long take. Let's uh, go on. Uh, I think I mentioned before, Incredibles two, forty uh, ninth of all time, six hundred twenty one million dollars. Yeah, so I think you might have brought them up. But so Despicable uh, Me and Despicable Me two and Minions are all summer movies, all very good. Yep. Uh, I'll do the Lion King and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin remakes. Okay. I had uh, Salt. I actually kind of like Salt. Okay. Um, the Hunger Games quadrology. Well, some of those were, some of those weren't. Right. That was the thing with Hunger Games. Some of them were November, some of them were, were July, and I couldn't tell which, but like, whatever. They were it doesn't fine. even matter. I only saw one of them anyway. Yeah, I saw all of them and it was fine. Yeah. Um, so the only other ones that I have that so that I liked, it's hard because I have a big list, but I don't like most of these. Oh, Brave, another animated movie that was actually yep. really good. Uh, Secret Life of Pets, that was fun. I have that one. Uh, I do have Dark Knight Rises because I like Dark Knight Rises in the sense that if the other two movies didn't exist, it was a good movie. But because yeah. the other two do, it's not. But yeah, it's on my list. It it's it uh, it was a disappointment, but uh, it's yeah. on the list. Uh, I already mentioned Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, oh, my, uh, this is my last one on my list. Uh, World War Z. Oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Only other ones I have that were sort of in that world. So Scott Pilgrim vs. the World I love. And it wasn't really a blockbuster, but like it did relatively well. It did better than I think they thought it would. Uh, Toy Story 4, I think you mentioned earlier. Crazy Rich Asians has like blockbuster summer comedy written For all sure. over it. For sure. And, and then lastly, much like I did last week, this is not a good summer movie, but it is a blockbuster. It's just a Tarantino movie. Is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fair enough. That's, a good That's all of them. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually had one more that I actually never saw, but I thought people who've seen it would probably be like, why isn't this somewhere in someone's list? Because uh, I've heard it's phenomenal, but it's not my interest. Is uh, American Sniper. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that either, but I heard it was very good. I've heard it's very good, but one of those like dark kind of descent yeah. stories that I don't I don't tend to watch and like. The only other movie I wanted to bring up, which definitely is not a blockbuster, but it did come out in summer, and I forget how good it is, and Camille is so good, is The Big Sick came out on July 23rd of 2017, and if you're into more serious but beautifully done rom-coms, it is so good. The Big Sick is so, so, so good. But that's it. Never saw it. <laughs> it's really good. That's it. So that was a, a troubling decade. Yeah, it's like almost a bummer that we had to end on that because I feel like for me, this was even harder than the 80s because the 80s or the pre 80s because pre 80s was there's so many movies. How do I pick even though there were no blockbusters yet? This one was there are so many good blockbusters that we have Shawshanked and I'm left with this nonsense that I had to pick nonsense. Um, the good news is that I feel like the ones that I, I feel this way about your list too. I don't feel like there was any egregious stuff where like they were like real bummers, but in comparison to what I think we know existed in the same time frame, it makes them feel like duds. Yeah, that that's exactly right. I mean, every time I was going through the list and looking at more and more MCU pick things, I was like, Iron Man, if there was no MCU, Iron Man would have made my list hands down. Like, it was great, great summer blockbuster. And at the time, yeah. by the way, there was no MCU. It was just a summer blockbuster based on a comic book that very few people read anymore at that time, which I found particularly interesting. Yeah. Well, look, this is, uh, I think this will probably be the first of, of more series we will do, but we've, we've managed to get through all five of them. I feel pretty good in general. I think there's probably, my, I can say specifically that my opinion of a blockbuster has changed from now. So if we redid the list, I think my 80s and 90s list specifically would look different for sure. Uh, but that being said, this has been fun. And I've got a whole laundry list of movies I do want to see and a whole laundry list from this decade that I don't ever want to see again. Do we do we need the top five of the top fives? No, we don't. No, we don't. 
I mean, we kind of do, but we kind of don't. Maybe we'll just we'll run. See. Maybe we'll make it and run through it. Just, just yeah. Runs. Maybe, maybe I, I feel like we should probably because I mean we've got a whole lot of movies now. Yeah, I found it also interesting that we had a lot more takes in common than apart. I was kind of expecting that to not be, not be as close. If there's something I, I've sort of be, has been more drilled into me over the past few years, it's you know if you grew up in a certain time and and by the way I could easily spend half an hour talking about why the 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 time frame around when I was born was the best possible time to be born for for the purposes of summer movies. From this yeah. from this from this venue, I grew up in like this amazing age and arc and and it's. It, it would po- I would possibly argue that maybe like kids born in like the late nineties where like you might've seen Iron Man as your fir- one of your first comic book movies ever could have had a similar kind of arc. Yeah, that's uh, right. But uh, there are some great fun times. Great fun times. Great fun times. I have enjoyed this very, very much. Um, speaking of enjoying, uh, what has been your favorite thing on Wingman this week while we wrap up, Jer? Well, at first I was going to say the thing about the pencils, but I have a hunch nobody's actually read the thing about the pencils. And the thing about the pencils really was a lot of fun. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with, and thank you for, for naming to include my, uh, my weather gift, the waves. That town, I mean, that looks insane. I can't imagine living in that town. Like, could you imagine being in one of those houses and watching a storm come in? I was just trying to picture that. I, I, I've got Those people have to go Instagram some of that because it would be epic. Yeah, it really would be. It's amazing that like you think that people have lived there for a long time on purpose because it doesn't feel like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that that's the Florida of France. That's my hunch. It's got to be. It feels like that. How about you? Uh, I think I, so. I have two. Uh, the the Mumford and Sons and Whitney mashup is so good. <laughs> I could listen to it forever. Yeah, I subscribe to that guy. He's so good. It's so good. Um, and then the other one actually was inspired by that pick was the ocean floor during a wave, which is only like, it's like a six second clip that I've watched well over two minutes of. I just keep watching it over and over and over again. Uh, So yeah, I think between those two things, I'd probably go Mumford just because that's like a really cool thing. But something about actually, I I don't know how they got the GoPro to stay that good. They must've really drilled it into the earth to like keep it from like moving from the wave, but it was great. Agreed. Well, as you think about your week ahead, you know, think about a little top spin, spinning, 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 spinning. Where, what happened? Did this week happen? Are we in, are we in limbo? Who knows? Is this, is this inception week? I don't know. I don't know, JT. It could be inception week. 2020 feels like inception. So, <laughs> so we'll see. But what I will say is that, look, if anybody has any ideas, we're, we're, we're back to a, a fresh top five take next week. So if anybody has anything you want us to do, holler at your boys. Go on high at wingmandaily.com. Let us know. Or just implant it in our dreams. Or we'll see you in our dreams. Thanks for letting us be your wingman, everybody.